Hello and welcome to the second of a series we're calling Clang Conversations. The idea of these talks is to dive a little deeper with the artists playing at this year's festival and spend a little time discussing their practices. I'm the artistic director of Clang, James Black, and I'm sat here with composer Jesper Holman. Jesper is represented twice on this year's programme. First of all in the opening concert in the Black Diamond on the 1st of June, where Atella's Sinfonietta will play his work Sinfonella. Then on the 4th of June, Rudersdale Camusolista will present a concert curated by Jesper, with his own work Impact, presented alongside music by Louis Aguirre and Uwe Lundbergner. Hi, Jesper. Hello. <clears throat> the title is Impact, actually. What did I say? Yeah. What did I say? Impact. Impact. So it's impact. 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 Okay. Oh, impact. Im to impact. Okay. To impact something. I wrote a whole series of pieces with the verbs, verb, okay. verb titles, uh, intent and extent and uh, or prefer. So this piece is one of a series? Yes, it's Your one verb. of a long, long series. I wrote the first one already in 1997. It is called Expect. Okay. Expect. Expect. Not expect. Yeah, expect. Expect. Impact. Okay. Yeah. His work Impact <laughs> will be presented. Do the pieces have anything in common? No. Yeah, yeah, they they all are titled with their verb. But there's nothing, no. it's just the title. Yeah, they are all violent and uh, and manifesto-likely, uh, manifesto-like, very violent. Mm -hmm. But much of my, many of my other pieces also are like that. No, I only think these verbs are good titles. Mm -hmm. They are good titles. Yeah. <laughs> okay, your verb series. But let's start with the Rudersdale concert then. Yes. Um, you were asked to curate the concert. Yes. How did. did you go about this? I was looking for some composers who were wild, mm. did wild things, and were really good at it. Because, well, it is not it is not because I pretend that I'm the greatest composer of all time, but I also don't pretend that I am completely hopeless. And I often think when I hear a concert that that, uh, that well. And most of the pieces I could actually do better without trying too hard. So I was looking for some some composers uh, which didn't make me think that. Okay. So um, and then I, I choose some pe people who met some made some some composers who met some uh, who made some music that uh, that was um, wild and uh, wild and creative and um, original in a way that really. Uh, made me think that here I couldn't make something that was better without <laughs> trying too hard and even not if I did try hard. So therefore, something to live up to. Was the, I mean, you, your own piece, Impact, yeah. is on the program. Yeah. Did you have that in mind that your piece would be presented alongside? Yes. Okay. But the whole set, the whole idea with the concert was uh, originally, originally that my piece should be played. And then I should find other pieces to program on, on it, and therefore, so yes, I already had it in mind, mm -hmm. and I also believe, I haven't heard the two pieces uh, mm -hmm. yet, but I then you commissioned, yeah, right? Yeah, yes, I commissioned commissioned them, and I I believe that they will go together well. Mm -hmm. um, thinking about the other pieces that I've heard by by these two composers, mm -hmm. you mentioned something about um, trying too hard. <laughs> Maybe you don't want to get into it, but what do you? What does trying too hard look like? Well, <clears throat> if I try to, 
Or just I actually I only meant trying hard. Yeah. Uh, trying hard means that I really, 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 uh, really, really, really put myself together mm-hmm. and think about everything. I don't all, all, always do that. Sometimes I'm a little more less fair with the with the writing a piece, but sometimes I really, really uh, use a long time and really think a lot about the method for, to write it and. And I really think, is it with, will this really work? And is this really, is this really a cool piece? And would I, if I heard that, that on a concert and I, and it was not by me, would I feel that I spent my time well, or would, mm. would I feel that it was waste of time? Hmm. How long does it normally take you to write a piece? So it differed, differs a lot. This piece was actually written in seven days. Oh, wow. But it was because I was under extreme stress. Time pressure? Be- yeah, time, pre- time pressure. It was because I was writing an opera. Mm-hmm. And I also had lots of other com- commissions. And uh, and then suddenly uh, suddenly more commissions uh, showed up. And I was also already late with the opera that had been uh, postponed. So, uh, so there I had a spring, uh, six months that were completely stuffed, over, overstuffed yeah. with work. And I just uh, started writing this piece and I've, I've, the only thing I wanted to do was to get all this uh, work done. Actually, I think it got, uh, it went, uh, it became quite good, this work, but, mm-hmm. but I have the, the version to, that you will hear on, uh, on the third, it has uh, undergone two revisions. Okay. And it is often so uh, that after hearing a piece of uh, one of my pieces, and I, then I want to, uh, to alter it. And then uh, after hearing it again, then I want to alter it again. I, and only after some time, so I'm, I'm really satisfied with this. So perhaps I'm also trying uh, really hard there. Will you ever be satisfied? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I, after the one or two or three revisions, I'm satisfied. Sometimes when I when I really try hard, I'm also uh, I'm also satisfied with the first version. The opera I wrote, I used uh, I spent uh, three years uh, writing it, and I was actually satisfied with that uh, already in the beginning. Okay. So this is the third version of this piece. Yes, it is. What kind of changes are we talking about? The small things or huge, large scale? I was removing, uh, I was shorting down uh, general pauses okay. and putting in some more notes. So oh. it is also, it is always the, it is also always that that the uh, revisions are about to <clears throat> to um, to uh, to accumulate uh, accumulate energy because mm. all the pieces I write are about accumulating energy, and sometimes it takes some. Uh, things to be uh, shortened down and sometimes some uh, things has to be longer to accumulate enough energy and it is really difficult to predict uh, when I have the score of course I can imagine how it will be I can I can easily predict how it will sound but the very effect of the of the the music in time uh, yeah. it can really be be, uh, be different different when uh, I when I hear the piece at a concert yeah, yeah, very much. So it's mostly on the level of structure and yeah. changing stuff around that you do that. Can you tell us, can you give us a quick preview of the piece? I mean, now yeah. you know it. <clears throat> yeah, it begins with a melody in the lowest octave of the piano uh, at forte, forte, fortissimo. 
It is a 12-tone melody. It is not based on a 12-tone roll, but all the, all the 12 notes appear before they before they uh, before they reappear yeah so it's the the atonal principle of uh, of uh, 12 tone music but without the, this uh, row thinking does it sound like serialist music or does it sound like a melody it sounds like serialist music you can have both yeah of each of the each of the of the notes has a glory glory of notes in the in the strings and the strings are only playing quarter tones okay they are playing a Actually, it's a chromatic cluster that is uh, speci specialized out, but then everything is quarter tones, so you won't hear quarter tone intervals, but you will hear uh, you will hear a dissonant chord in the strings, but it uh, but it sounds different that, than normally because of the because of the relation to the low note in the piano. You know, in the in the piano, the lowest octave it tends to sound off pitch in a way. Yeah. You hear more overtones, so it's so it is chromatic music, but it has been it it has added something else. Also spectral in some way, or no, it is not spectral. You're not it worried is, about that. No, I have done it in earlier pieces, yeah. but uh, but not in this piece. Okay, did you not like it? <laughs> yeah, yes, I did. Yeah. Yeah, yes, I did. I've, I, I just came away from it. Perhaps I, uh, I switched from uh, one technique to another. From uh, so p perhaps uh, I will return to it one day. Okay. Then it goes on for a long, long time because I think it's the, the most uh, original idea in the in the piece. That is, is this uh, thing with this? They are not playing microtonal, but they are playing uh, quarter tones only and exclusively. Mm -hmm. Also, the instruments will have. It will cause other resonances from the strings and from the and from the very instrument. So it will sound different in a way that uh, you cannot tell it. So it's a, a diff different in a subtle way. Okay. It is double stops all the time, and it's uh, and it's only uh, one one uh, note at a time in the piano, and he plays with his uh, right hand. But then in the middle of the piece, they are leaving that, and they and then it suddenly suddenly the music opens and the. The strings are playing quad quadruple stops, and the and the piano is, is beginning to play all over the all over the piano, and okay. so it becomes uh, like a well romantic uh, piano quartet. Yeah, it is still very different, uh, very uh, dissonant, and it, very uh, very um, very loud and very dissonant and very atonal and uh, very active. Did you you mentioned the romantic piano quartet? Yeah. Yeah, Rudisdale Camasolis is a piano quartet. Yes, yes, which is a very, as you say, romantic form of a lot of associations. Yeah, how did you approach this issue? Should we say? I didn't approach. I was just happy that that for one time's sake I could write for classic instrumentations. Instrumentation because then there was nothing special about the instrumentation, and I think that I believe that when the instrumentation is ordinary then the music has to be extraordinary mm. if i wrote a piece for for nine bass flutes then it will be unusual no matter what i write mm -hmm. and people will cheated. notice that that it is uh, people will notice it is uh, nine bass flutes and perhaps they will not notice the music mm -hmm. but now when it's a piano quartet then a, a piano quartet is so common that you will notice the music and not as much as much the piano quartet. Okay. Hmm. The in the piece in the end the the music freezes uh, 
to another one uh, one part melody. But at this time, it is in unison by all the strings playing double stops in high positions with an, a wildly exaggerated vibrato. Mm-hmm. Still quarter tones only, or no? Now, no, it's uh, it's uh, ordinary ordinary notes in high positions, in high positions, and with uh, with uh, much of vibrato, it wouldn't make that big difference if if it was yeah. quarter tones. But they are you can you don't hear it, hear it as a one part melody because because the vibrato is so big, and when you are playing vibrato in high high positions, then the vibrato will be so wide that mm. the, that it will be like a blurred note. Mm. It sounds really strange, and the piano plays uh, chromatic clusters in the high register. Everything is loud. Uh, yeah. uh, one uh, one of the audiences t- told me that when she listened to this piece, she was waiting and waiting to the for the music to calm down, and she <laughs> she told me that all the time she said, "Now it now it will calm down," but it but it, <laughs> it never did. It it never did. It yeah. is loud all the time. Is that on purpose? Yes. Yes. I mean, I've also seen the score for the other piece that's going yeah. to be done, which is Sinfonella. Yeah. And that looks to be a similar approach. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it is. It is. It is. It, this thing with the with the 12th uh, notes thing, mm-hmm. not dodecophonic music, but with yeah. everything appearing in, in uh, every 12th uh, transpositions before, before anything else reappear, mm-hmm. appears. It is the same approach, but there is a soft part in this oh. piece. There is a soft, a very short, soft section, uh-huh. uh, not that long into the piece. Looking forward to that. Yeah. <laughs> is that the only, why did you put a soft section in that piece and not in the other piece? Because it is longer. Okay, you needed, something sure. to, yeah. you needed something to vary yeah. it. I'm not sure, if, I haven't heard that okay. piece yet. Perhaps yes, I also feel piece. like uh, f- like alter, altering that, that. Mm-hmm. but I think it's a good idea with the soft section. Yeah. I think it will be quite strong. Yeah. Are they from around the same time that you wrote them? Mm, no, no. I think I wrote them with five years, four okay. or five years between. <laughs> the Ruder Stale piece was written in 2018. Okay. And the Sinfonella was written uh, last year at okay. this time. So one year ago. Okay. Okay. Are there any other... It's it's a it's a strange experience to have two pieces on at the same festival. Yeah. Um, are we going to see the same Jesper Holman in each one, or are there little differences? I think it will be more or less the same. Okay. Strong artistic yeah. identity. Yeah. <laughs> but I also write music that is different from this. Also, music that is very different. It is also different from the the opera that I got presented five years ago. Yeah. So. I do write uh, very different uh, music. I also write tonal and melodic music from time to time. Mm-hmm. When do you do that? I do it right now, actually, because yeah. I'm uh, writing some violin and uh, accordion pieces for for uh, violin and accordion duo. And we are, we are doing a whole CD and everything is melodic and tonal, uh, mm-hmm. singable music. I mean, I can relate to this because I also do yeah, of course. Yeah. melodic and tonal music. And yeah. For, to make it about me for a second, when I do it, it's the same approach as when yeah. I'm doing the more out there stuff. Like it's the same compositional techniques. Is this the same for you, or do you make a conscious decision? Now I'm doing melodic stuff. Well, in these two cases, I made conscious decisions because they they are playing they are playing uh, concerts with folk tunes and popular tunes, mm. and then I wanted to write music that was 
that fitted into that fits into such programs and that will be that will not be 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 what is it called will not be perceived as, as something that is outside the style okay. but something that is still the same style but in a way widening out the 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 scope of the style because i add some things that you normally not hear in in that sort of music lots of cross relations and yeah that do rip uh, closely cross relations do appear in the in popular music uh, as well mm-hmm. uh, but also complex forms and uh, progressive uh, tonality one of the pieces begin in f uh, major and ends up in d, d sharp uh, minor and and it was also a conscious decision to make a piece for for synf- uh, for a Taylor Symphony that was completely atonal. Yes, because I think we have to, uh, you know, we uh, p- p- composers in common do not discriminate uh, between between uh, tonal and atonal music, but lay people they do mm-hmm. actually. They, if you play tonal or modal music for people, then they will accept it without questioning. But if you suddenly play something for from that for them that is uh, atonal in the modernistic sense, mm. they then they will begin to discuss it. Okay, so yeah. you made you wrote this with the intent of sparking some discussion around it. No, but I just uh, wanted to insist of my right to uh, <laughs> to compose atonal music. God given right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> So context is important. Yeah, you wouldn't put the atonal p- music in the violin and accordion concert. No, I, perhaps I would put it in uh, in other uh, in other concerts where people expect uh, only atonal uh, music. Perhaps in a symphonic con- concert, mm. I would sure if uh, if I got a, a commission from a from a symphony orchestra, then I would sure write an atonal piece because yeah. it is another kind of kind of concert. It is a it is. A, Historic concerts, mm-hmm. and they are they are playing uh, classic and romantic music, mm-hmm. but then they are not that keen on playing uh, modernistic music. No. But they are playing music uh, pieces, uh, music uh, pieces that are written today, uh, commissioned by them, and there I can see that they prefer to play music that contain tonal elements, and they shy. As I can see, they shy away from. Playing modernist music, you know. Last year it was Sinagis' uh, 100th year's birthday, and mm. I was skimming all the programs of the symphony orchestras in Denmark. And you know, Sinagis has written uh, lots and lots of orchestra music, but not one of them played uh, a single piece of Sinagis. So if it was a symphonic concert, I would sure I would write a piece that was extremely atonal and extremely dissonant and extremely violent mm. in a confronting uh, uh, confronting uh, manner yeah. confronting violent direct way yeah to insist that yes heck no you i want you let you discriminate atonalism uh, and uh, mm. musical modernism because that's the kind of music that i write and that i yeah mm. that i want to write i became a composer to write this kind of music so of course i'm going to write this mm-hmm. well speaking of context yeah I wanted to ask you a little bit about Danishness. Yeah. Um, 
And the reason that I wanted to ask you specifically this question is because the last conversation I did, I did with the Georgian composer, Sofia Sagarazzi. Yeah. And we're both immigrants. Yeah. So we had an interesting discussion about what it means to be an immigrant in the Danish musical scene. Yeah. Especially for her, it's more pressing because I, I blessed and that I got my citizenship rights based on my EU status, which yeah. I can still enjoy even after Brexit. Yeah. But she's Georgian, so it's more complicated for her. Yeah. So how do you... It's a very open-ended question. Yeah. But how do you experience Danishness in the new music scene? Because for me, it's always something to like react against because I'm not yeah. that. But you are that. Yeah. I've never thought about it before you asked. That's what I thought you were yeah. going to say. <laughs> yeah. And then I've thought about it. I think, first of all, I would say that that you and the Georgian composers are in much better to, uh, positions to to judge about if there actually is some specific Danishness in the in the Danish scene, mm. because I don't think of myself as a Danish composer. Mm-hmm. I think of myself as a Danish person mm-hmm. um, with some some uh, and there are some uh, some uh, approaches to things that I connect uh, and associate with being Danish, being anti-authoritarianism okay. and and a sort of a specific uh, kind of humor and. Yeah. Can you give me an example? Uh, humor? Uh, I oh, no, 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 uh, just of the general uh, Danish approach. Being a Dane? Yeah. Uh, being anti-authoritarian, mm-hmm. I think. I think we still have an anarchistic, I think we still have that sort of approach, but I think much of it is in, in humor. If we, mm. if we are told that that's something which there's, you should not joke with this thing, thing, then people will begin joking with it and mm-hmm. think, hell, hell no, don't tell us that. Don't mm-hmm. tell us what to joke with. Such kind of behavior. Mm-hmm. But it has nothing to do with music. I don't think my mu- the music I write, I don't think mm. that is particularly anarchistic. And I think it quickly becomes uh, problematic if you begin to explain the music written by a composer by saying, this composer is writing music in this way because this composer is Danish. Mm-hmm. Because, because then you then you put the focus on the relation between the composer and the re- music instead of focusing on the relationship relation between the music and the audience. Yeah. My counterpoint to that would be when you're not Danish doing it in Denmark, this yeah. narrative is always put on you. Yeah. Like for me, I've always had every review I've had yeah. has said British, British composer. Oh, right. Every single yeah. one. Okay. <laughs> British composer. And I soon, and then that started to affect the way that I was writing music. Okay. Because I was like, okay, what am I defining myself against here? Yeah, so what did you do then? Well, I started singing British folk songs okay. <laughs> for a start. Um, and then, I mean, so the reason I asked the question to you is because I'm genuinely curious what that's like to not have that experience. But I guess we can't really talk about it because I'm asking you to describe an experience that you don't have. Yeah, I heard some. Th- I heard some. Uh, one of my colleagues told me that he was talking at to another composer who was not from Denmark. Mm-hmm. They were talking at Vorshov Autumn. Yeah, and uh, the other composer from, I su- suppose he was from Poland. He said, "I will have, I will have uh, a piece performed on, on this festival. It is. It will be very loud, but I don't think I will." perform it when I get to Denmark because I think it is too loud for Denmark. <laughs> and I believe he was referring to some 
of the uh, of the um, some of the frequently exported Danish music, like yeah. uh, Hans Abrahamsen and uh, Ben Sørensen, which is actually quite soft. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but th- that, th- this yeah. is an interesting discussion because then you're talking about Danishness as an external thing versus yes. Danishness as an internal thing that you feel. Yeah. So that's why I asked the question in the way of how do you feel about the idea of Danishness and not so much how do you feel Danish? Yeah. Because all this, um, you know, you mentioned Hans, Hans Abrahamson and Ben Sorensen being exported, and suddenly you're defining yourself, if I understand you correctly, against that. Yeah, I don't, because I don't write soft music, and actually, well, the first thing I would have done with that that composer, if I've met him, was to invite him to some extremely violent, loud music written by me, um, yeah. and perhaps I would even write some even louder and even more violent music, because I don't... I think they're good composers, the, yeah, the two I mentioned, but 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 I I'm not I don't want to be associated with with the soft music mm-hmm. uh, soft uh, music with this. I've not followed them them so much the two composers, but I but I believe they contain many tonal elements in in the music they write and no. Uh, yeah, I've not. Th- I don't think much about it actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've also. I think. Yeah, I'm inspired by the composers that I'm inspired by are from other countries. Mm-hmm. Galina Ustvolskaya is from Russia, and uh, Sinakis is from Greek, and he was working in France and USA. Mm-hmm. And uh, Harrison Birdwhistle is from England. Mm-hmm. And these three composers are, are the three first that I will mention. Mm-hmm. Also, the two other composers that uh, that I programmed and commissioned pieces yes. by. Yeah, they're from. Yeah, uh, they grew up in Sweden and uh, in Cuba. Yes, so that's actually interesting. They live I in Denmark now, but uh, that's uh, another uh, element uh, of the Danishness yeah. question: is this where you see yourself yeah. in the line of history <laughs> and saying, "Okay, well, I am the successor to X, Y, Z." Which is, you know, nobody really thinks like this, but people do sometimes think yeah. like this, and how that is tied to nationality can be quite uh, complicated. But it yeah. doesn't sound like you feel that way. So no, yeah, there's my I haven't experienced so many uh, so many uh, musical uh, composers environments in the, in other countries, but yeah. my immediate impression is that there is space for a lot of the uh, there is lots of space to, and. Uh, for 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 doing different things in the in the Danish environment, I'm not sure if it's right. But uh, again, I, again, I, I should ask you about it. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that assessment. Yeah. I mean, I also haven't spent a lot of time in yeah. other countries. I come from the UK, but I moved here when I was 23. Yeah. I hadn't done any composition really seriously. So this is the only environment I know. From what yeah. I've seen, I mean, Denmark has is very pluralistic. There's lots yeah. of different ways to make music here that are all encouraged. And there's, uh, I think this, what you just described, this anti-authoritarianism yeah. streak is yeah. quite strong. Um, I think that's a fair assessment. Okay. That's good. Thank you very much, Jesper. Yeah, you're welcome. Looking, looking forward good. to your concerts on the 1st of June and the 3rd of June. So do I. Yes.